Hello, Marvelites, who are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 577, and I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm agent of uh, almost Thanksgiving, Lorraine Sink. (laughs) So, Lorraine, have you ever been to the Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City? You know, it's funny because I used to live a couple of blocks from it and I avoided it like the plague because it is bananas. I love seeing like they they put up, you know, like seating along Central Park West and it's very charming to see and it's exciting to see people start showing up and then you're like, get me the heck out of here. I have a, a friend who texted me the other day. He's like, hey, I have three tickets for the parade. Do you want to go? And I was like, oh, that means like I don't have to deal with as much of the chaos. So I think we're going to oh, take well, that's Catherine. that's a good way. I mean, people like really camp out all night, which is fine if it's a nice day, but sometimes it's like sub-zero temps Mm-mm. here no, in uh, New York you. City. So that's going to yeah. be a big no from me because I like to be toasty warm. Yeah, I'm not a do. cold girl. I mean, I like <laughs> the cold outside, but I will be by a fire drinking cocoa in a blanket with a dog or two on top of me to keep me warm. That sounds terrific, nonetheless. But we are not here to talk about parades or dogs on laps. We are here to talk about all things Marvel because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel from games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever we're excited about. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm pretty excited about Thanksgiving. I'm excited (laughs) to cook. I'm excited to have my in-laws come visit. I'm excited to make my sweet potato gratin, which is a banger. What is that? It's a big, cheesy, sweet potato-y mess. So, like, remember a while back when you came over for brunch and I made you those, like, little egg cups full of cream and cheese? I do. Do you remember this? I do. So it's kind of like that if it was full of sweet potatoes. It's the greatest thing you've ever eaten. (laughs) I'm really excited just to cook. I'm going to try to make croissants for the first time. Do you guys want to talk about croissants? Okay, let's talk about something else because we've all seen the film. (laughs) What film, Lorraine? Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Nothing beats seeing it opening weekend with a crowded theater. Oh, my my God, I honestly forgot how much I love seeing movies with people. Every time I go, I'm like, oh, yeah, this this rocks because <laughs> yeah. I don't go as much as I used to, you know, in, in the before times. But man, I love hearing people gasp and yeah. cry and talk back to the screen sometimes. <laughs> and it's like the best, best experience. I have the Alamo season pass. So I went to the Alamo five times in a week which was just the best seeing movies on the big screen nothing beats it and speaking of that later on in the show we've got frederick joseph and nicholas smith the creators of the picture book marvel studios black panther wakanda forever the courage to dream we're going to be talking about that it's a really terrific book and frederick and nicholas are wonderful it was really great to talk to them so we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah the film Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, out now. If you haven't seen it, please, please, please go see it. Get your act together. Go see the movie because we want to talk about it on the show. We're trying to be cool and not spoil anything. But I'm just going to say walking out of that movie theater, one, I love being at a Marvel film where everybody knows to not get up and leave the second that the credits roll. Mm -hmm. Two, I just love 
I'm watching people hug each other on the yeah. way out. Uh. <laughs> like have gone through an experience together. Oh, it's the best. And of course, if you want more info about the making of the film, interviews with the cast and creative team, even comic book storylines that might have been inspirational to or are part of the lore of the Black Panther in general, head over to Marvel.com. There is just like a million bajillion wonderful articles and interesting things that you can learn all about the Black Panther stories and comics, as well as, of course, all the stuff that they worked on in the film. And, you know, of course, we have Marvel Unlimited, which is our subscription service where you can read 30 odd thousand comics on the app. And we have special Black Panther inspired reading lists over on Marvel Unlimited. They're also up on Marvel.com. You can just go in, read a whole bunch of stories, get into a whole bunch of things about a lot of the characters and their inspirations into the film. Yeah. All right, folks, if you're looking for a way to sport some cool Black Panther styles, I highly recommend going and checking out Rock Love Jewelry. Allison, who actually runs Rock Love Jewelry, she's a super cool lady and she makes really cool different kinds of jewelry inspired by different fandoms. Um, and she's got two new items inspired by the film. She has Shuri's studded earrings. If you've seen the film, you know the ones we're talking about. They're important to the film. And then there's also Riri Williams' Ironheart necklace. It's mm-hmm. It's got the little same arc reactor design as she has in the film. And it has like a turquoise stone in it. They're very cool. I have a bunch of Rock Love jewelry that I super love. It's really nice stuff. So I highly recommend going over and checking it out at rocklove.com. They also have some like Kamoyo beads and claw necklaces. So if you're looking for something for like a casual cosplay or a not so casual cosplay, also go check that out because those are super cool as well. Of course, you can experience Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever only in theaters. Go now, go now, go now, go again, go forever. <laughs> and if you're looking for something to get hyped about coming up in the future, mm-hmm. might I recommend Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. There's a new music video that just came out this week with an extended version of the main title song for the new animated series that is going to be coming in February. It has brand new clips from the show, which premieres on the Disney Channel on February 10th, and then soon after on Disney+. Plus. The animation is super cool. The storyline is super cool. We love Lunella Lafayette. And the song is actually written and produced by three-time Grammy Award winner Raphael Sadiq. So great music. Go gather the kitties and sit down and watch the video. And there's a new holiday music video for Spidey and his amazing friends, which you can watch on Disney Junior YouTube channel. And it's called Merry Spidey Christmas. I watched it. It is the most wholesome, (laughs) adorable thing. I'm pretty sure this is going to be on repeat in our household. But it's like it's a cute little holiday jam. Even the song itself, like if that was on my holiday playlist, be super into it. Of course, it's done by Patrick Stump, who does all the music for the show, and he's uh, from Fall Out Boy. So it's catchy, and it's fun, and it moves, and the video is a ding-dang delight. Go check it out. Yeah, there's so much great stuff for kids right now, or big kids if you're like me. But also for funsies, we've got some cool stuff from Marvel's Midnight Suns. They just had their third live stream in anticipation of the launch of the game, which debuts on December 2nd, which is like in five minutes from now. That's so soon. The stream gave us a look inside some of the game's features. It highlighted some customization abilities and play style for the hunter, the game's unique hero. They discussed the Abbey, which is your hero's secret base. 
It also showed off some upgrades, currencies, the friendship system, hangouts, combos, and lots more. If you missed it, I highly recommend you head over to Marvel.com or the Marvel's Midnight Suns YouTube channel and go watch that in anticipation of the game. It's going to be so fun. I'm really, really excited to play this and check it out in December. Also, you can pre-order the game now. Head over to MidnightSuns.com. And that is Midnight Suns, like the kind in the sky, .com. <laughs> and pre-order now because it's going to be so fun. If you're like me, you're also getting hyped because we have prequel shorts for Marvel's Midnight Suns. The third one was released this week. It is all about Robbie Reyes, a.k.a. Ghost Riders, called Hell on Wheels. This is the third of five prequel short videos that give us backstory on how Lilith became the mother of demons and how our superheroes like Blade, Magic, Ghost Rider, and Nico Minoru came together to form that core of the Midnight Suns. So you can check out this latest prequel short short on marvel.com over on marvel's youtube channel and again like lorraine said pre-order marvel's midnight suns it's going to be a really cool tactical rpg coming from marvel games 2k and Firaxis games you can play it on pc playstation 5 xbox series x and s again december 2nd 2022 which is approximately four minutes from now also, get your pull list on because we got some new comics that were announced this week. We've got a new Ghost Spider series that is Ghost Spider Shadow Clones. It's written by Emily Kim, who you might remember worked on Silk comics as well as Tiger Division. And it's drawn by Kei Zama, who worked on Edge of Spider-Verse, Marvel's Voices Identity. That is coming March 1st. It's going to be a five-issue series all about Ghost Spider, who gets targeted by clones of herself based on Spidey's greatest villains. And it's going to feature the debut of lots of new Gwen villains, once again designed by just one of the best in the biz, Peach Momoko, doing a bunch of these designs for these new Gwen villains, which is going to be really cool. Check that out. Come Coming in March, put it on your pull list now. You don't want to miss it. I'm very excited for this because Emily Kim has been doing spectacular work. Her Silk comics were really, really great. Tiger Division is the current series that she's writing, and it's really fun. It's a South Korean superhero team. It's funny. It's got a lot of intrigue and drama, and it's big action. And then Kazama, just I love them. Their work with robots and mech stuff is super cool. So seeing them do also now superhero stuff, they did the Death's Head limited series from a couple oh, of years nice. ago that yeah, had yeah. Hulkling and Wiccan in it. Very, very good. I am hella hyped for that. Also incredibly hyped for I Am Iron Man, which is a five issue limited series also coming in March, written by Murawa Ayadole with art and coloring by Dotana Kande. And the two of them are, I've been talking about them for a couple months now, mostly on Marvel's Polis podcast. They're a team to watch. They're this team of comic creators mm -hmm. from Nigeria. They got their start doing a little Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood story for us. And now they've been doing a variety of little things here and there. They've been doing some Infinity comics. This is a big Iron Man series. They love Iron Man. I'm so hyped for them, so excited for them. So this is part of our 60th anniversary celebration for Iron Man next year. And we get to see him doing kaiju battles under the sea alien invasions in the desert, a rescue mission in outer space, all of that and so much more. It is kind of like the perfect mix of something if you have never read an Iron Man comic, but also if you have been reading stuff about Iron <laughs> Man for years and years and years, you're going to get something cool and exciting about this. And again, 
It's creators. They're the future, y'all. I know. And man, next year's a big year for anniversaries. Mm -hmm. Iron Man's got a 60th anniversary. The Avengers got their 60th. I think the X-Men got their 60th. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a big year for anniversaries. So hold on to your hats. Get a hat. Hold on, because it's coming. <laughs> also coming in March, we've got Cosmic Ghostwriter number one, which has just been announced, written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Juan Cabal. I'm sure you guys know Juan Cabal. He's a stormbreaker. He rules. Stephanie is a newer writer to our stable but very exciting to have her aboard. She's done some work on Millie, the Spy Love Unlimited series on Marvel Unlimited, but also the upcoming Rogue and Gambit series. Lots more about her, but let's get into a little bit about what Cosmic Ghost Rider number one is going to be. Obviously, a lot of folks fell in love with this character, Donnie Cates, originally introduced. And now in this new series, in a far-flung corner of deep space, Frank Castle has eked out a quiet existence. His days as cosmic ghostwriter finally behind him. But across the universe, a vicious bounty hunter is leaving a trail of bodies in his wake and his name is Cosmic Ghostwriter? What? That's my name. That could be your name. So when Frank's <laughs> peaceful existence is shattered, he must suit up once more and face his most savage enemy yet, himself. Bum, bum, bum. Two ghostwriters for the price of one. Definitely looking forward to this coming in March. Look, Juan Cabal, super terrific Stormbreaker. Stephanie Phillips is someone Again, I want, I think folks should keep an eye on over here. She's been doing great work for other companies, which is, you know, that's all well and good. But now, really cool Marvel Unlimited story with Millie the Spy in the Love Unlimited track. That was great. She's doing the upcoming Rogue and Gambit series, which, you know, I love Rogue, Gambit's trash, but I'm, I trust in Stephanie. <laughs> but more importantly, on top of all that, I was looking at her website and she's got a PhD in rhetoric and composition, an MA in English. Then she's she's taught a whole bunch of stuff at various universities, but she's a Muay Thai fighter and plays hockey. She can outthink you, outfight you, outright you. I am excited. Ooh. She sounds super cool. Dang, she should make that her tagline. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can outthink you, outright you, outfight you. Stephanie. It's pretty good. All right. I also mentioned Marvel's Pull List Podcast, which is the other show that I co-host, where we talk about all the latest Marvel comics that come out, as well as some classic stuff. Our picks this week, our favorite new issues on sale this week are Captain America and the Winter Soldier special, number one, Murder World, Avengers number one, and Immortal X-Men number eight. Look, if you're a Destiny, Mystique, and Mr. Sinister fan, that's Mortal X-Men. If you're into really wild Battle Royale stories, that's Murder World, Avengers. And if you want Bucky with his man bun and a new look and a big attitude, that's Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Lots of good comics this week. And then on our reading club, where we pick something from Marvel Unlimited to discuss, we had Fantastic Four writer Ryan North on the show to talk about the original Fantastic for issues 48 through 50, the original coming of Galactus story. Plus, we talk a lot about Ryan's new Fantastic Four story, which is great. We adore Ryan North. He's the best. Uh, of course, Marvel's pull list releases every Tuesday. You can listen on the SiriusXM app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Oh, we love Ryan North. Mm -hmm. We also love the Women of Marvel podcast. Quick birthday shout out to Anjali Grochet. Mm -hmm who's one of the hosts of the podcast. It's her birthday this past Tuesday, the 15th. So it's not too late to wish her 
a happy belated birthday. Also joining Angelique Rocher is Ellie Pyle and Judy Stevens. We also love them. And actually, Judy just had a birthday too. And and Ellie. That's a lot of like Scorpio energy right there. <laughs> we love to see it. But there is this new season of the Women of Marvel podcast, and it's all about the power of mentorship. And this week's episode appropriately focuses on Moon Girl. So if you go watch that video featuring Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, then pop on over and listen to this episode all about Moon Girl and all the people she looks to for guidance. As brilliant as she is, she's still just like nine years old in the comic series and she mm. needs some support. So definitely go check that out. New episodes come out every Thursday. You can listen on the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go listen to Women of Marvel. It's a delight. Yeah. Also, we wanted to make sure everybody knew about Marvel's Wastelanders Doom because it is the latest series for the multi-part audio scripted podcast series Marvel's Wastelanders from Marvel Entertainment and SiriusXM. And now all episodes are available for everyone to hear. Let's play that original trailer to remind everyone what the show is all about and how cool it is. Doom? Doom sent you? I thought he was long gone. Dr. Doom? Haven't you been following the news? He's dead. Doom is very much alive. Who the hell are you? Victor Von Doom's heir. Valerian Richards. Valeria. That isn't possible. Everyone thought you were dead, Doom. But not you. You're the only family I've got. What do you do that makes you need a hired gun? Locate dangerous objects, keep them out of the hands of idiots. The majority of your relics are that of your family, the Fantastic Four. What are you doing? Getting the truth out of him. He wants me to help him do something, or obtain something, and he won't tell me what. Right. Given his history, it'll be something awful. It is not just about power. It is about a new beginning. And what if people don't want your brand of order? People don't know what they want. They have to be told what is good for them. People require a clarity of purpose. And I, Doom, am the only one who can provide it. What is our next task, Lord Doom? To seek vengeance. Marvel Entertainment and Sirius XM present Marvel's Wastelanders, Doom. Starring Dylan Baker as Dr. Doom. Hear it now anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Plus, unlock exclusive bonus episodes by subscribing to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. Or subscribe on the SXM app for early access to the next episode. Learn more at SiriusXM.com slash Wastelanders. I love when all the episodes are out because it's the perfect time to just sit down and listen to them all. You're about to have a long weekend next weekend. Mm -hmm. Kick back, put on the headphones, and chillax with some doom. Unfortunate and very tragic, sad news. We lost another comic book great this past week, Carlos Pacheco, who is a writer, an artist, creator, influential to like a nth degree uh, career of over 30 years for Marvel and for the industry. He's had really incredible runs on Ultimate Thor, great work on Age of Ultron, a ton of X-Men titles, Bishop, Cable, Uncanny X-Men, Adjectiveless X-Men, a great run on Fantastic Four. But for me, and I think for many of us, his most important work personally was Avengers Forever with writer Kurt Busiek, which I remember reading that. I got a copy of the trade paperback from Science Fiction Book Club, 
and I wore it out because I kept reading it. It pulls in Avengers and characters from so many different eras, and his art style, the way he would draw the human form, there's a fluidity to it and a musculature that action, the emotion that he put into his work is something spectacular. We saw a lot of creators and and people in the industry talking about how important his work was and how, honestly, how great he was as a person. Hearing that from so many people is beautiful. We will miss Carlos Pacheco. You can read tributes to him over on marvel.com. All right, folks, it is Wakanda week over here on This Week in Marvel, so let's keep it moving with our special guests this week, Frederick Joseph and Nicholas Smith, writer and artist of Marvel Studios' Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, The Courage to Dream, a new book for young readers that is a ding-dang delight. It's a wonderful story that is set in Wakanda about a young girl named Asada who wants to become one of the Dora Milaje, but she initially gives up on her dream because of her disability. We get to talk to them about their character designs, what it was like to work in Wakanda and and play with Wakandan technology, and uh, what it was like working with Marvel Studios on the story. And um, I think you guys will really enjoy this. You're probably already familiar with Nicholas Smith's work from working with Marvel Studios in the past, as well as some really touching murals he's done for Black Panther. And Frederick Joseph is just a wonderful writer and has a really touching story about how this story came to him. So I hope you guys enjoy. All right, Lorraine, get ready to talk about one of Catherine's favorite new books. We are going to be talking about Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever, The Courage to Dream, with the creators of the book, author Fred Joseph and illustrator Nicholas Smith. Hello, Fred. Hey, what's going on? What's up, Nicholas? Hey, hey, how's it going? All the better now that you're here. I'm so excited to talk about the book, and we definitely want to get into it. But first, we'd like to ask... What are your Marvel origin stories? What's the first way you encountered Marvel characters in the universe? I guess I'll jump in. I actually started with the 90s cartoons and more specifically the X-Men cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shout outs to Fox Kids at the time, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is <laughs> I'm really looking forward to um, X-Men 97. But that's how I like got in just the animated series that in Spider-Man uh, kind of led me to the comic books. Love that. What about you, Nicholas? Yeah, I have to say the same. Absolutely. That was the first introduction for me. And I guess the, at the same time, I, I was always like fascinated by the comic cards. Like, I feel like that was kind of my first introduction into like origin stories, like really in depth. Like, cause I was always looking at their stories on the back of the cards and then like the amazing paintings, the amazing illustrations. And they depicted all these superheroes. And I just collected all that stuff and still have the books of cards. Nice. I was going to ask, uh, because now now we're all best friends and kindred spirits, because Lorraine and I are very similar with the way we grew up and those things. Like the Marvel Universe trading cards in that era, Nicholas, for me, those series, like I can close my eyes and I can see every single card. I can flip them over. And they were so cool because they had the stats and you know, like, oh, this person is this, that's not that smart. Okay, great. But they're this strong. And then like <laughs> their win and loss records it was like, how do they even come up with that stuff? But it was bananas for us as kids to have that information and experience and learn about characters that we probably had never seen before. I think that's part of the fun of stuff like that. That sort of exploration is so much fun to a young mind. Yeah, absolutely. That that was the my introduction into like really world building and how do you just take a, a thought, an idea and 
really expand it and turn it into this whole, you know, create a backstory and just like create a narrative that people can follow along with. And that's what I try to do with my art now is just really just create that story and then get people hooked and then get really invested in this character. You know, it's really so interesting because, you know, obviously you had your early origins with the Marvel Universe, as we all did, watching Gambit be a weirdo and Rogue and all the good stuff in uh, the old X-Men cartoons and all that jazz. But you also, you know, before you wrote this book, have done some pretty cool stuff with Black Panther, as well as Disney, Nicholas. Um, What are your sort of, I guess, career origins with the Marvel Universe and some of the ways you've gotten to touch bits of the Marvel Studios world? Well, so I'll, I'll say if I go way back, I was I was never the type of person to say that I, I want to be an artist when I grow up, but I ended up going to college for architecture, got a master of architecture degree from Hampton University, HBCU, shout out, found out that there was a place called Disney Imagineering and entered a competition and then graduated and moved to California right away <laughs> in 2008. And I became a Disney Imagineer and design theme parks architecturally for 11 years and that it was just kind of perfect for me because you know that at one point in my career they decided hey let's create a whole land of marvel (laughs) and so i was like yes that's my job put me on that team so i did that for many years and came up with a lot of wakanda designs and at the same time going over to Disney Publishing, which is right next door, and saying like, hey, we should do a Black Panther picture book because everybody loves it and it just made a billion (laughs) dollars. We should do this. (laughs) And so, yeah, long story short, maybe five or six years after that, the opportunity presented itself. And uh, Fred, you also, I not to put you on the spot, but I just have to, you kind of were the sole person who started the Black Panther Challenge, is that right? Yeah. You know, the Black Panther Challenge was a really interesting period of time. Um, Unlike Nicholas, I I didn't have the opportunity to work for Disney. I think I applied for the marketing department one time out of grad school. Didn't didn't happen. Didn't happen. But years later, I was actually watching the trailer for Black Panther with my younger brother, who is now 10. So I guess at the time he was about six or seven. And just watching his face, seeing the trailer and how excited he was, you know, I, I remembered um, when I was coming up, we didn't really have money all the time to go see movies. So I, I wanted to make sure that there wouldn't be any young black kids in my life missing that opportunity in the lives around me. Um, so I created this campaign with my marketing savvy, I suppose, called the Black Panther Challenge to help kids see the film for free. Next thing you know, that like small idea to take, I think it was about 100 kids I wanted to take ended up becoming this really big thing. And we took 70,000 kids to see the film, raised millions of dollars and and things like that. Actually, I have to um, put Ryan on the spot. I actually think Ryan was one of the people who actually shared it early on. He probably doesn't remember, but like I didn't have a platform at the time. Um, I think I had like, a hundred followers. So I was like begging every single person who had like a large following if they would share. And I do think Ryan was um, one of those people. So major, major love to Ryan for that. It's the coolest thing in the world. It's so important. And, you know, my daughter is a a little black girl. And so the idea that in a couple of years, because she's only three, but like in a couple of years, like she can go see a Black Panther movie and see these characters is amazing. And it's so important. And we're blessed with having so many opportunities for so many kids 
of every background, every race, every country to feel and see themselves. It's as terrible as the world can be sometimes. There's good stuff and there's there's a little little bit of hope. So and uh, we appreciate you. But we got to talk about the book, of course, Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, The Courage to Dream. Nicholas, you said you ran over to Disney Publishing. You knocked down the door. You said, hey, <laughs> y'all, let's create a picture book. And you like flipped over a couple of tables, right? Is that how it went? Yes. Just a couple. <laughs> just a couple. Yeah. Um, I was adamant. Yeah, Nachi Marsham. Shout out to him. Oh, yeah, Nachi. I love him. He listened to me every time. I came over and he's not with Disney anymore, but before he left, he made sure to pass along my adamant request. <laughs> so I'm very thankful to him. And yeah, I at the time I it was it was a way different concept, but it was just like we have to do something. Like I don't know, like what can I figured it would be like, you know, something related to, you know, Wakanda principles of the first film or something. And it's just amazing how everything kind of falls in place at the right time. And for it to happen now, I mean, also now that Avengers Campus is open and the second film is here, and I never thought that we would actually get to this point. We have a, a tie-in book with the film. It's just incredible. And when they said that it was you know, possible that Fred would be writing this, I was like, absolutely, let's do it. He's an amazing writer. I know the story is gonna be incredible i just want to build whatever is created and you know once i got kind of the layout of, of what the story was going to be i was like let's get to work like let's do this right away um, and it was i feel like it was a very quick process fred you're nodding how quick was it so it was it was interesting <laughs> so you know when disney uh and Marvel Studios beckon you, you know, you just like come and you, you know, heed the call. But um, in that year, or I guess last year when the project was brought to me, I actually was finishing up two other books at the same time, like two like major works of nonfiction. And I was exhausted, but they were like, hey, we, one, we think we're going to partner you with Nicholas Smith. And I had followed Nicholas for some time and I was just like in love with his art. So I was like, uh, okay, I'm really, really, really considering it heavily. They're like, oh, and also it ties into Black Panther Part 2. And I was like, okay, well, I don't do anything else in my life but write this book now. <laughs> so, so it definitely was a process that, as Nicholas said, went very quickly, but it was... It was truly magical, right? Because I, I think, you know, my story about how it happened started off with Nicholas kicking in the door, but the way it was presented <laughs> to me was more so like this once in a lifetime opportunity that I didn't know tables had been flipped over for. When they said, what do you want to do with the story, right? They're just like, hey, well, here's the script. What is it that you want to accomplish? I was like, wait, what? You know, so, and I guess we can get into that at some point, but, you know, Nicholas and I got to bring an original character to life that lives in the MCU, ultimately. Well, let's talk about that. So tell us a little bit about the story. Obviously, Ryan and I are delighted by it, but for anyone who hasn't gotten to pick it up yet, what's the tease of the story? Yeah, so the story centers Asada, who is a young girl in Wakanda who happens to be disabled. She dreams of becoming a Dormelage, but she's she's super gifted, right? Like she has an intellect level um, and a creativity level that is so high that in fact, 
the great Shuri comes in and asks her to join the Wakanda design group. So, you know, that's something that she can do. But what she, again, really wants to do is join Nadora's. Um, but she doesn't know how that dream will be possible being disabled. So what we see in this book is these themes of hope, courageousness, but also perseverance, right? We try to create something that made space for people who are disabled, but ultimately made space for all of us in any way that we might be different from others and how we navigate those differences and still overcome said obstacles. I was so touched by it. I'll definitely talk about that a bit more, but you know, I also want to talk about it for you, Nicholas, because you're getting to create an original character that ultimately lives in the MCU. And you have a very distinct style that is beautiful. I also have followed your your artwork for some time. What was it like developing Asada's design and um, overall aesthetic? It was a dream. I always have in the back of my mind the fact that there are only like a certain percentage of picture books out there that feature chocolate babies on the cover. And so... Just the thought of, of having that, I just, my first thought was like, okay, she's going to have some Bantu puffs, some like Afro puffs, I don't know, something <laughs> something that just kind of reminiscent of, in a way, um, Nakia a bit in the first film. And I just think of like all these, these little kids that actually in Watts, California, where I would volunteer an image that those kids could see and say like, that is me. She is me. <laughs> like, you don't get a lot of that in the picture book world. So I love that I could do that. And um, it, it was just a dream come true. And then for being disabled, I wanted to, I paid a lot of attention to like, what is a wheelchair in, in Wakanda? You know, like, what is that like? She's literally like hovering and <laughs> it's not your typical wheelchair. And so for any kids who, who are in wheelchairs, it's that same thing that I feel like everybody, when they look at Wakanda, just in general, they see something to aspire to. They see something that is like technologically advanced and something that it's just beautiful. You know, and anything in Wakanda, everything in Wakanda is beautiful. And I just love that I could create that look and feel. So when you're the two of you are, are sort of like coming up with the things you want to do here, what's that research process like? Are you the two of you like, all right, we got to go on set. We just got to go on set. When you're like, you're, you're calling up, <laughs> Ryan, you're like, all right, look, we need to see what you guys are doing in this new movie. We need to see the Navy. We need to see everything. Were you able to make those kinds of plays or, or what else did you have to do to get ready to do this book? You know, it's funny. Um, it's obviously like the two sides of the book are different, but from the storytelling aspect and kind of from like the high level notes that I had for illustrations and whatever, which Nicholas took and just blew into cosmic proportions. It was funny because... Like I said, we, we got to read aspects of the film ahead of time. So what you're left with is like this treasure trove of like, what do I play with here, right? And at one point, I actually did ask our editor, I was like, hey, is there any chance I can go on set just to kind of like get a feel for some of the, he was like, no, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, uh, the process was more so what makes a picture book, for me at least, what makes a picture book not just a book that can tie into a film, but a book that could be evergreen, right? I think the goal here was to create something that lives both within the Black Panther and, and Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also outside of it, right? I do think that what we ended up creating is going to be 
useful and and loved for years to come whether we're in black panther 5 phase 26 whatever you know i think this book will still be around for a long time i definitely love that and you know i thought it was such an interesting story to tell you know like you said it exists in this sort of cinematic universe world but it, it's a really different story you know and obviously, we don't always see folks with physical limitations in these superhuman stories, right? And I was somebody who actually grew up with mobility issues as a kid. I'm very lucky that I had some surgeries and I'm very capable now. But I read the book and I very much was like, oh, my God, water's coming out of my eyes. <laughs> um, why is this happening? And I found it very sort of emotionally healing. And I'm curious for you folks, you know, what drew you to telling that kind of story with somebody who does have those limitations? So a lot of people don't know this, but I actually have multiple sclerosis. And I found out that I had multiple sclerosis um, when I was 24. So I'm now in my, get, heading into my mid 30s. So it's been almost 10 years. And, you know, during that period of time, I realized there's just not a lot of conversations, right? Like not only is there not the existence of us, people who are living with disabilities in the superhero context, but there's just not much out there, right? So for the child who was Lorraine, let's say, how are we making space for that child, right? This book, the intention of it is to make space where space might not have ever existed. I love that. Ooh, I had a feeling. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, we've got Asada, who's great, and I really do hope we see more of her. But Nicholas, can you tell us about some of the other characters you were able to bring to life through your art in the book? Yes. One thing that we talk about a lot is the, the idea of being able to develop a lot of those other areas that, you know, you fly over through the film and you don't you don't really get to see, like, you know, what does a, a family look like? What is the inside of, of a Wakandan bedroom look like or a Wakanda university? And... I worked on the sequel, Wakanda Forever film, as, as a concept illustrator. So I had a lot of background people in my head. And also from my Imagineering days, a lot of like Wakandan designs of just different parts of, you know, the nation. And so I incorporated that a lot, especially even like with Wakanda University, almost like a techno jungle kind of vibe. But it's a campus, but it's kind of not your typical campus, everything is like panther themed and spas and things. And then you have Wakandan students, in this case, Wakandan students who are not really being supportive of Asada and her dreams. But just, just even that, just like multiple different types of Wakandans <laughs> have different hairstyles. Like, you know, just this, that simple thing. You don't get that a lot. You might have like one or two token black characters in, in a book or something typically that but like have like five six seven eight nine ten twenty different characters a whole wakandan village that's celebrating asada like i i wanted to be reflective of like in some ways the entire african diaspora you know like all different types of hairstyles all different types of skin tones colors all different patterns fashion wise like really trying to create like this is a world like this is a, an entire world that i'm building like like i was saying with the with the comic cards like I want people to feel like this isn't just like one scene. Like she, she's really in this world, like and living in this. Even the there's a spread where Mbaku is kind of reminding Asada that like the worth and value of, of Wakandans, and there's kind of like this vast array of all different types of folks. And I don't know. I just wanted to to make it very. It is it is very diverse. Even in its like complete blackness, it is very diverse. 
And I just love that, that we could kind of explore and have that diversity within Wakanda. It's a beautiful thing. I love that so much. Sometimes when I work with artists, I like to share Paul Schatz athletes photos because it's all these really different body types where you can see all these really powerful bodies, but they're just all completely different. And it's so interesting. And I just love getting to see that variety of life. And the book is so sort of delicious to take in visually. When you guys are working on the book, I know obviously it came together very quickly, but were you able to collaborate through the process or was it pretty much scripting and then art or how did you guys work together? So it was um, primarily scripting and then art, but we did have like periods like towards the end of me writing where we were kind of like fine tuning things. And, and I knew that Nicholas was on the project. So I actually started writing certain scenes with Nicholas's art style in mind, right? Like it's so beautifully whimsical, right? It's almost like a fantasy world. So like very much like rooted in Wakanda, but it's almost like Wakanda in a dreamlike state. So I wrote scenes knowing that it was going to look that way. So I think that Nicholas's art style actually gave me an opportunity to write in a way that I otherwise wouldn't have. So there was some overlap there for me at least. Yeah, I just with these projects that are so quick and we're like kind of just emailing back and forth. I love that I could just, I do speed painting. So I'm just like sketching out like, okay, this is, this is what I think a Wakandan wheelchair might look like. <laughs> and then send it in and, and get immediate feedback, like maybe a little bit more. Um, and I think the original wheelchair that I had was like beyond futuristic, <laughs> like, you know, and getting feedback to say like, Something that is Wakandan future, but also relatable to children in the modern day wheelchair, you know, things like that, like we're trying to make sure that based on the feedback that like we're aspirational to the future, but also connecting with modern day stuff like that, where it's not like I'm just like creating this whole thing in a bubble, like I'm constantly getting feedback going back and forth and and trying to make it the best visually, the best that it could be. And I think it, it worked out. I really love there's the two pages where Asada is going to the river. There's the waterfalls there and it's she's small, but she's in her wheelchair. You just feel the emotion coming off of her, even though she's she's just a small. But like the level of detail that comes from this painting is so beautiful. I think it's great. So I left this book on our kitchen table because I have to try to like not force my child to experience everything Marvel all the time because I, I want her to enjoy what she wants. And then one morning, she, my daughter, we were eating breakfast and she goes, Daddy, Daddy, read this to me. And so she picks up the book and she sits on my lap and she's eating her Cheerios and we're reading it and she's turning the pages and she's three years old. So her mind is like a million miles an hour and she's like hyper and crazy. She sat there. We read the whole thing in one go. She paid rapt attention to it. It was exactly what I was hoping for that she would see some really cool stories and these characters. And, you know, she was like, I could see her face when she saw M'Baku, like this, this big dude. And, and But like, there's tenderness there in that conversation with Asada. For the two of you, what are you hoping that readers, you know, whether they're young or old, will take away from this book? 
You know, it's interesting. I think you just touched on something specifically that I was trying to capture. You know, so when they tell you that you get to play kind of in the MCU lore, things become canon, right? And I love not just the character M'Baku, but I really love who Winston Duke is as a person. So, you know, that tenderness that you just spoke of, I really wanted to hone in on that as an example, right? Like this sense of of a black man and what does it look like to have a black man who's like a large figure be this really gentle kind of giant with this young black girl. And and I want kids to ask parents also, like, what does disabled mean, right? Like, and explain that because you're going to have classmates, coworkers, teachers, kids on the playground who are disabled. So, like, why can't we have some of those conversations, you know, taking place because of this book? It was all so cool. And, and I just, now that it's done and I'm looking over it, I'm just thinking about, the kids who we talk to kids a lot about altruism and this whole superhero thing being about like, you know, it's not really about how fast you are, how big you are, how strong you are. Like, what do you do with the power that you have? What do you do with what you've been given? And that's what separates, you know, the superheroes from the supervillains, you know? And so I feel like that theme is really at the heart of this book. Like Asada can do amazing things and she just has to start with getting that roadblock out of her mind. And you know, there's so many kids, especially you know, young black and brown kids in this country who are born into a situation where they're gonna have hundreds of roadblocks in their life. And it's like, if you can just have that mental capacity to push you know, some of these blocks out of the way, that's going to be a huge step. I know there's a lot of other things that we have to do um, in terms of like justice for all and equality, but like at least this book can be a reminder to start with changing your your mental focus and, and really having that courage to dream. Like you have you have to have that ability to see yourself where you want to be, and I just think that is beautiful. One of the other things I really loved about it is giving her a choice and giving her that agency in there and uh, having a very strong-willed child and like trying to foster that and and making sure she (laughs) understands like her ability to be whatever she wants and knowing that like Asada has choices in here and and she has to get through the roadblocks that you're talking about but like she can be whatever she wants and she makes those decisions I think is really really important for kids who are going to read this book and I think it's really it's going to foster some great thoughts. Definitely. So moving. Definitely. I also recommend for adults, very healing to the inner child. (laughs) Seriously, definitely go check it out. Also, I have to say, you guys got a heck of a kickoff party, considering that you did it at the Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever premiere. What was it like getting to be on the carpet? And can you give us any reaction to the film? No spoilers. Just (laughs) I want to know how it felt. Yeah, um, it was a dream. Yeah, yeah, a dream, a dream. I, <laughs> it's hard to put into words, right? Like, it's like, I still can't believe that it happened. Outside of being a nerd, I'm a black nerd, you know, I'm a blurred. So just like being in, it felt like Wakanda, like just even for a little while, right? Just like all these beautiful people around you, just this like level of like black excellence, as they say. And, and the film is just stunning just absolutely stunning yes all of that it was a legendary night (laughs) it's funny i was at the the premiere for the first film but i was i was a volunteer working at disney and i told myself like 
next time there's a Black Panther film, I'm going to be invited. <laughs> and it somehow worked <laughs> out. So I was, I was happy about that. And it was just incredible. And the film, I mean, you know, one thing is like reading the script, which it was different when we read it early on. But, you know, a lot of changes. But once you see this film, like it's, it is, you know, first of all, bring your tissues because, you know, tears. <laughs> but it's beautiful. It is so, like Ryan pays so much attention to, for one, just like cultural nuances that you would think are obvious that people should put into films these days. But he does it and he does it in such a amazing way. And it's just, it's incredible. Well said. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time and coming and chatting with us. The book's beautiful. It's wonderful. I want everybody to go check it out. It is, of course, Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, The Courage to Dream. Get it wherever you get your books. And now go off and keep telling people. It's awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Big thanks to Frederick and Nicholas, the writer and artist, respectively, of Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever, The Courage to Dream. Everybody, the book is out now. Go buy it today. And of course, you can see Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever in theaters right now. But next week is not just Thanksgiving. Mm -mm. It is not just a day for tofurkey and sweet potato gratin and apple pie, if you're me. It's also about to be dun 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 Black Friday, which means gifts, 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 gifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lorraine and I are going to put together a gift guide and there's going to be a gift guide on the site. We'll talk about some of our favorite things, things that we enjoyed throughout the year that we want you all to check out. If you have someone in your life or you yourself are putting together a list, a little listy list, you could put some of the our ideas on there, hopefully. So thinking about our gift guide in particular, we're going to do our question of the week this week. What is a great Marvel gift to give during the upcoming holiday season? We want your gift suggestions. We'll include that in our overall gift guide. You can tweet your answers using hashtag this week in Marvel, email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in Marvel. Please make sure to tell us it's okay to read on the show. And also I want to add to this. What's a great gift to give? That you might want to receive, too. Like, it can be something you want. Because let's be honest, we're best at shopping for ourselves. But the question of the week last week was, what is your favorite song from Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever music from and inspired by soundtrack? And there's so many good bangers on there. So let's get into it. First up, King DBB at Jail Badaddy says the entire album was straight up heat. But I'm just going to say... I don't want to butcher the name of this song. It is a really cool song. It is from the ADN Maya Collectivo with Pat Boy, Yelin Kuju, and all Mayan Winik, the 11th track on the record. So King DBB says, because this is the first time I or anyone outside Mesoamerica had been exposed to the Yucatec Maya language, and every verse of it seemed to resonate doubly because of the immense pride and emboldenment the entire community must have felt, and that in there lies the power of media and inclusion. Thank you, Ludwig Gornson, Ryan Kugler, and Marvel Studios. Ooh, I love that. We have Urbe Dorotillo at Urbe underscore Excelsior, who said, My favorite song from Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever music from and inspired by is Lift Me Up by Rihanna because the song is an emotional tribute to Chadwick Boseman and Alone by Burna Boy because the heroes are prepared for battle for Wakanda. 
Yeah, some great music there. Mm-hmm. King Kojo at King Asani says, Alone by Burna Boy. The song was also emotional. Joseph Souther at Joseph Souther 9 said, The song during the suit introduction scene. It's really good and was hype. Reed Reads at Reed Reads 4 says, They want it, but no. By Tobe Nwigwe and Fat Nwigwe is fire emoji. Tobe Nwigwe is such a good musician. I follow him on the social medias and he is fire and his aesthetic is so cool. He's just like extremely cool. Love that guy. Next up, we got Ethan at Geekin' Out. Ethan said, lift me up by Rihanna. Lift me up. Hold me down. Keep me close, safe and sound. Oh, good lyrics. Mm hmm. Daryl at Daryl NG09 says it has to be Rihanna's song, Lift Me Up, and Born Again, and also Con La Brisa. These songs truly elevated the movie. I love them so much. We got another one here, Shaw at Super Shaw 10, who said Con La Brisa. I thought it was such a mesmerizing song, and it played beautifully during the scene where we first see Talo Khan and its people. It was a really special introduction to a new unexplored corner of the Marvel Universe. Also... Okay, small spoiler here, but the singing, the telekineal singing from the water. Mm -hmm. Oh, so cool. So cool. Give me goosebumps. Wardakan at underscore Wardakan tweeted, My favorite has to be Con La Brisa by Furakash. The reveal of Talokan with this beautiful song playing in the background had me in awe. At Villani says Con La Brisa gives a real good euphoric feeling listening and watching Shuri discover a new world to her. It draws all your attention into it. That's just me, though. Like it touched my senses different or something. I love it. I love it. Another one here for Con La Brisa. Symphony at Symphony 1986 says Con La Brisa Talokan is amazing. I got goosebumps when I saw the beautiful mystery and even a little scary underwater city. With the song as background music, the plot became more romantic. Well, maybe it's because I ship Shuri and Namor. Lol. <laughs> I like the little lol there. It's good. <laughs> Next up, we've got Ryan Bennett at November Bear, who said, this was actually a response to last week's question, which said, hi, Agent M and Lorraine. I love catching This Week in Marvel every week. You guys riffing back and forth is so fun to listen to. My favorite character from Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever was the introduction of Ironheart. Let's go, Dominique Thorne. She rules. She's so funny in this movie. I'm obsessed with her. Also, I didn't realize I saw her in Judas and the Black Messiah like, I didn't even recognize her because her energy is so different in this film because she's like a really serious character in that film. And she's just like an amazing actress and so funny. And like, she's such a wonderful grounding presence in that film because like it's all these crazy circumstances. And she's the only person who like sees it as a normal person. And it's so funny. I just I love it. <laughs> we got a Facebook message from Christian who said my favorite tracks from the movie are Love and Loyalty and Con La Brisa. These tracks give me a boost to my morning so I can get my engine started in this cold weather. But honestly, all songs are really good. Thank you, Christian. We appreciate that. All right, next up, we got an email from Antonio who said, just got caught up on the podcast and I wanted to answer your question from a few weeks back about Halloween costumes. Like Ryan, I have a three-year-old daughter and I'm a big fan of family costumes and an even bigger fan of Dorian Green. So my dream family Halloween costume is me as Squirrel Girl and my daughter as Tippy Toe. <gasps> 
So cute. Okay, I guess my spouse would need a costume so she could just go as Mantis or Gwenpool or any of her favorites. And we could just say that the character is Squirrel Girl's friend because Doreen makes friends with everyone, right? As for my favorite Wakandan, from the films at least, is M'Baku. He's a strong and principled leader who takes risks when necessary and also doesn't take himself too seriously. Can't wait to see him and his fellow Wakandans back on the big screen next week, Antonio. Man, M'Baku is just, he just keeps like rising in my estimation. Also, Dorian Green and Tippy Toe, that is so cute. You know that's like right straight to my heartstrings. All right, we got an email from James Dean who says, Rihanna's Lift Me Up has the stature of a Bond theme song. Well, I haven't seen the movie yet. The song seems to match the film's tone so well. I hope this is the start of a new MCU tradition. I like that comparison. Love that. Mm -hmm. Rodrigo Marcondos do a Marl says, Hi, Ryan Pinagos, and hello, Lorraine Sink. I haven't seen Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda forever, but I really like No Woman, No Cry from the trailer to Agent M. I think of my mom and of my girlfriend, Christina, when I listen to this tune. Love also heals, and they are amazing women. Recently, I've done another brain surgery against a cancer in my head. And as the lyrics say, everything is going to be all right. Oh, Rodrigo. Sending you and your family lots of love. We're pulling for you. I know you've been going through this for a long time, but you're powering through. And like you say, everything's going to be all right. Stay strong, my friend. All right. We got another email here from Simon Williams, who says, hey, it's been a few months and I wanted to check in and give a few thoughts on some Marvel things. Sadly, I won't be able to see you all in person at San Diego Comic-Con next year. Tickets sold out before I had a chance to buy any, but there's now going to be a Comic-Con in Dallas, Texas. So feel free to come to that. As far as question of the week, my favorite piece of music from Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever was the funeral procession for T'Challa. It was joyous while also mournful. That leads into my spoiler-free review of the film. I loved the movie. From beginning to end, it was a loving tribute to Chadwick Boseman. I hear many people saying Angela Bassett deserves an Oscar for her role as Queen Ramonda. After watching the movie, I can say she definitely does. There wasn't much comedy, but honestly, after Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder, it was a welcome change of pace. I want to say more, but of course, avoiding spoilers. Congrats to Ryan Coogler and the entire cast for a spectacular film. Until next time, make mine Marvel. Yeah, Simon, we'll see about getting to that convention. I'm not so sure about it, but hey, one never knows. Next up, we got an email here from Henrik. Good day, Ryan and Lorraine. I can sum up Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda forever in three words. A-may- Zing. You asked about our favorite music tracks from this outstanding movie. While I watched, I kept updating my choices in the back of my mind. This is my favorite. No, this is. I landed on my choice close to the end. After an epic one-on-one fight, the Black Panther makes a monumental choice. No spoilers. The orchestral swell of the music as our hero reflects, struggles, and chooses was beautiful, rich, and on point. Such a powerful, thoughtful, exciting celebration of a movie. I also loved that they didn't shy away from having so many scenes with different languages. We live in a big world and everyone is a part of it. Definitely my favorite film of phase four. Make mine Marvel. That's pretty great. We've got an email from Joe Hoffman who says to Lorraine, I really appreciate you reading my email on last week's show. He goes on to tell us some cool stuff that he's been inspired by for from Marvel, from Deadpool's Guide to Supervillain Cards and so much more and all the work that he's doing. And he says, for the answer to the question of the week, my favorite track from Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Awesome movie. I saw it this past weekend and can't wait to go see it again. I have to say Lift Me Up by Rihanna because you can't go wrong with a song by Riri that's being featured in 
a movie that marked the MCU debut of Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart. Major shout-outs to both of the super-talented ladies named Riri. Till next time, Twim family, I hope that you all have a great week in Marvel and beyond. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. All right, we got an email here from Misha Cotiz, who says, Hi, Ryan and Lorraine. Greetings from South Africa. I hope you are doing well and you enjoy the spooky season. No Halloween in South Africa, and I'm so jealous. I need more cosplaying opportunities. Listen, Misha, just do whatever you want. Who's to stop you? Anyway, going back to the message, as for the question of the week, I don't often listen to music outside of the soundtrack slash orchestral genre, but going through the playlist, I found the lyrics to Wake Me Up by Bloody Civilian and Rima to be relatable. As I live in South Africa, I love my aunties and I don't want to ever wake up in the morning. Honestly, My Heart's at the Score by Ludwig Gordonson, such a beautiful bunch of tracks next to Hans Zimmer's work on X-Men and Laura Cartman's Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel tracks. This might be my favorite favorite Marvel soundtrack. One more thing. I was hoping you could do me a favor. I don't know where to send fan mail, so I was hoping you could pass this letter that I've attached on to Iman Vellani. I spent quite some time on it, and I hope she might like it since I live in South Africa so far away from everything. I most likely never have an opportunity to meet my hero in person, so this is the best effort I can make. Maybe... We found a way to get it at least a little bit closer to Amon for you. I, I make no promises, but uh, we appreciate you writing in, Misha, and we'll see what we can do about your letter. It was really cool. We always love hearing from you. Also love hearing from Mika Garg from India. Thank you for your emails. Uh, they're from some old questions of the week, but we appreciate them. We read them. We appreciate you. I think that's it. This is a long one. It's a good one. This episode of This Week of Marvel was produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. Hi, Brad. Joe DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to you folks at This Week in Marvel. We're so thankful for you as we go into this Thanksgiving week here in the United States. Thanks for being you. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. Gifts, 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 gifts.